Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. With your host, John Frashante. Hello Cosmos Country, welcome back. On this week's episode, we're going to review Cosmos versus Fort Lauderdale, preview Cosmos versus Minnesota at the weekend, and we have the president of Deed Brigade, Mitchell Torres, and then we will move on and talk about loads of things around the league, Ottawa Fury potentially leaving the NASL. Yes, that came to a shock to me as well. They released a statement, so we will talk about that and talk about the future of the NASL. A lot of discussions about that at the moment. Some rumors, but just fans just talking, and it deserves a conversation towards the end of the show. Also, we are going to talk about Cosmos Abroad. We are going to just see how our fellow Cosmos players did for their national teams during the international break. But first, let's talk about the Cosmos Versus Fort Lauderdale, the Cosmos hit the road, played Fort Lauderdale, ended in a nil-nil draw. It was a very boring match. And I never want to say that because I love watching the Cosmos play. But there was nothing very exciting about the match. Cosmos versus Fort Lauderdale should always be a very exciting encounter. We saw the first match, again, that was at Lockhart Stadium, at, at a very historic stadium. And they beat the Cosmos. The first time we played them was a more exciting atmosphere. It just was an exciting match because we saw a lot more goals. This past Saturday, I thought we were going to see more goals. I predicted 2-1. I thought the Cosmos were going to win. We're going to get the three points. And we were going to see goals. But that's not what happened. Uh, great opportunities from both sides. Amari, we talked about him last week leading up to the match. And he's a great piece for the club. For the short term, because we're not going to see him play probably for the next two to three years. But he's around for the short term. And he had a lot of chances on net. He made the strikers great attacking. But... Defensively, they did well as well. They were a great, great defensive side. Uh, The Cosmos had some great chances. The only chance I think the Cosmos could have scored was late in the second half. Orozco had the ball in the box, and he didn't take a good shot on net. He just sort of uh, slid into the shot, which I don't think was a great attempt on net, but... uh, it ended a nil-nil draw. A lot of supporters would say when you go on the road, taking a point 
is what you want to get out of that result, and I fully understand that, and I will take that uh, because we are in the hunt to hopefully win the fall season, but if we can't, we want to get in the championship as a club. So not the best match in the world. I would have wanted to see some goals, but it is Cosmos, Fort Lauderdale, a very competitive match. Let's talk about the strikers because there were some rumors about them uh, potentially being sold. And there was a quote from Bob Williams on Twitter. You should give him a follow. He says, sources tell him that Fort Lauderdale strikers owners are looking to sell, asking price, putting off interested parties. And we will get to talking about the league and what's going on with the clubs later on in the show. But let's talk about the strikers since we're sort of talking about them. I don't understand why they're asking for a lot of money. I understand that the club is very historic. They brought a lot of positive things to the club. Under traffic sports, they didn't have a big budget. They really did not make the club a very attractive club. And the Brazilian owners did that. They gave the club a shirt sponsor. They made the club a club that you would want to watch if you lived in that area. They moved grounds. They moved to Central Broward Stadium. I can only go from what supporters tell me and what uh, we heard from Cardick last week. And from what I hear, it's a great home. It's a better facility. I know it's not their home and they didn't build it and they can't control everything about their stadium. But it's better than Lockhart. They're better facilities. So they want to get a return on their investment. And that's what they're trying to do. But I saw a great tweet out there. And it just said, it's great that people are interested in buying the Strikers. That's great to see. Uh, And I'm hoping that uh, someone does buy the Strikers and bring them to that next level. And I think that's the problem with the current owners. Is they brought them up from where Traffic Sports had the team. They became a better club, but I think they stopped sort of developing the club. And I think if they bring in new owners that maybe have a lot more money, sort of like how the Miami FC owners do business. They know how to market the team. uh, They can buy better players. And I think if you just do that, you're going to draw a lot more people to the stadium. And you should really be excited about that. Even if you're not a Strikers fan, just be a fan of the NASL and support all the teams. Uh, If they're not playing the Cosmos, then yeah, you can support the Strikers. So uh, moving on from that one, uh, let's talk about Miami, or not Miami, Minnesota against Cosmos. It's going to be a tough match. It's really going to be a tough match. Minnesota going to play in MLS next season. Just officially announced by Don Garber. I think it was a couple weeks ago. Did not watch that uh, stream of the announcement. But best of luck. They were a team that was going to go out of business at one time. And uh, the Bill McGuire, their owner, saved them. Brought them to where they are today. And now they have MLS soccer to look forward to next season. So best of luck to their supporters. It's great to see a club go from one point to... Uh, MLS. So they have a couple more matches left in the NASL. And the thing that I don't really understand is do their supporters want to see them win the NASL title? That's a question that I want to throw out there to all the listeners. You can tweet us at one team pod because if they win the NASL title, 
it's not going to mean anything to them because they're going to be moving to MLS and they're going to view that title, they're going to have that trophy, and it's going to look like a second division championship. That's why I see them playing in the NASL like a lost cause because they're playing in a league that sort of made them where they are today. And this season is sort of like a waste season. It doesn't mean anything. The players are fighting for their jobs for next season. It's like an open tryout for next season. So Minnesota United is just taking up that space as an extra club in this league for this season. And then after that, they're MLS's baby. They're a brand new club playing at the highest level in this country. That's why I think this season really doesn't mean a lot to Minnesota United as a club. They're just trying to get everything in order before they make the move to MLS. They're trying to get more people in the stadiums, maybe trying to sell some more season tickets. And if you paid attention, once they announced that they're going to MLS, that's when they started to sell more tickets. Okay, we're going to MLS. Okay, cool. I'll go buy a season ticket. That's how they get more fans when they told people that they're going to MLS. The craziest thing, and I know we're getting off topic here, they posted a video on, I think, their YouTube channel or Twitter or something like that. And uh, I think this guy is a member of their team during their home matches. And he was talking to different uh, people at the Minnesota State Fair. And he was trying to talk to them about Minnesota United. Do you know about them? And none of them knew about Minnesota United. None of them knew about the club, what was going on with them. All they knew was that they were going to MLS and probably they were going to support them when they are in MLS. Uh, it's just a sad situation if you actually watch that video. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. But moving on to on the pitch this weekend. Competitive match, player to watch out for on Minnesota United, Christian Ramirez. Quality player, really quality player. I read an article from a Minnesota United blog, supporters blog, and they were saying that uh, they don't know if Christian Ramirez is going to be with them next season, and the only way he will is if MLS pays his contract. So I don't really know if that's going to happen. If it doesn't, I would love to see the Cosmos pick him up because the Cosmos always need strikers. If you look at our roster, all we have is uh, Lucky, Arietta, and Duke. Duke is on a season-long loan. I think we can make the deal permanent at the end of the season. Say we don't want to do that. I think Duke is a great player, 28 years old, plays for the Bolivia national team. I think he's a quality striker, and I would love to keep him around. But it's up to Gio and his staff. Say if Christian Ramirez is available, or you can uh, renew Yasmani Duke and make his deal permanent, which one would you pick? That's a tough call. Christian Ramirez is young, is doing great things in the league, scoring goals every match, and probably should get selected for the national team. Or do you re-sign Yasmani Duke? Or maybe do you just get rid of Arietta and say we have Lucky, we have Duke, and we have Christian Ramirez? This is something that the Cosmos have to figure out in the offseason. 
because we're going to see players on Minnesota that are not going to be part of the team for the future. They're not going to be part of Minnesota United in MLS. And we're going to see NASL clubs pick up those players. And they're not bad players. When you see sort of Minnesota United MLS rejects, players that they just don't want, you can't look at them and say that they're bad players. In the NASL, they were quality players. They were players that they didn't want to get rid of. But because they make a move to MLS, those players probably want a bigger wage. Maybe they want uh, bigger demands and things like that. And they probably don't value those players as much as they do because they're going to be playing in MLS. So it's going to be interesting to see how Minnesota deals with that uh, and uh, how they put a team together during the offseason. So it's going to be very exciting. But on the field, I think the Cosmos win this match. It's not going to be an easy match. No match in the NASL is that. But the Cosmos are playing home. Hofstra University were great there. And I just can't see Minnesota United winning this match. Cosmos are gonna win are gonna win this one two one. I said that I said that last week, but I think we're gonna see uh some goals this week. I hope we do. If things go wrong for Minnesota, which it could, I could see this game getting really, really, really ugly, like how we saw against Carolina, maybe even against Puerto Rico. It could happen, guys. It could happen. Uh, but I just can't see it happening with Christian Ramirez. And Minnesota United has a quality team. So I just can't see it getting really ugly. But like I said, it could it could happen. Uh, so the, the key number one to the match is the Cosmos need to be uh, a quality team at home. We showed it uh, the last time we played home that we are a great team. We are going to dominate the match for the full 90 minutes. And I really want opponents, when they come to Hofstra, to fear playing for the Cosmos. When teams come to your stadium and fear playing you, and they are told to watch a certain player and things like that, then that shows you that your team is doing good. And I think the Cosmos are a feared club. Minnesota United are going to come to Hofstra and watch out for the boys in green because they know if they are not playing their game, then then the Cosmos are going to take full advantage of that. And Geo is going to have his guys prepped and and prepared for this match because if not, you're going to hear Geo on the sidelines and things like that. So, uh, number one, just be dominating the match for the full 90 minutes. Score first. If we don't score first, then we struggle throughout the match. We start against... Tampa Bay at home. Joe Cole scored, I think it was two goals. And the Cosmos were struggling against Rayo. They scored first. Cosmos were, were struggling. They scored one goal. And we had to settle for a point. We are top of the table. And we want to win the fall season. So we need to win this match. We need three points. That's what I think the Cosmos will get this weekend. Let's move on and talk to Mitchell Torres. President of Deed Brigade, Miami FC Supporters Group. Great, great, great guy. Great conversation. Uh, we talked about Hunter Freeman moving to Miami FC. What it means 
for the Cosmos, what it means for Miami FC, and really what it means for the NASL in the future. So here it is to Mitchell Torres. After we talk to Mitchell, I'm going to sort of say my thoughts on it. And uh, there was a great piece by Dave Martinez of Empire of Soccer where he sort of went into detail how much the Cosmos got for Hunter Freeman, how much he's being paid, and we will talk about that after our conversation with Mitchell Torres. I'm joined by Mitchell Torres, the president of the Dade Brigade. How are you tonight, Mitchell? Doing good as always, John. Thank you for having me on. Your Miami FC team making history every day, signing quality players. The Miami FC picked up Hunter Freeman. According to Empire of Soccer, Dave Martinez, he says that the Cosmos received 150 k in compensation for the veteran Hunter Freeman. Me personally, I think that was not enough money in my opinion, but Mitchell Torres, you only got to see him one time against Puerto Rico FC, but do you think he is worth that much money? You know, from what I hear around uh, from other people, as well as the reaction uh, seen on Twitter and other social media feeds, um, I think we may have even gotten a good deal at it, if if not a steal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it, it helps bolster and strengthen our back four, which... Uh, you know, has been one of our weaknesses throughout the year. Uh, and so to get guys with uh, not only experience, but NASL experience, and as much as he's had, you know, um, with winning championships with <clears throat> with New York and uh, being such an integral part of that back four, uh, I think it's really, really a good addition, even, you know, if we paid a higher fee than, than what's reported. Richie Ryan, you bought the captain, the captain from Jacksonville Armada. I just can't understand that till this day that you bought a captain off of a team. Uh, but you bought him for over $700,000. You bought Mike LaHood from uh, the Union. Uh, I think that was reported 300000 but a lot of people say don't really believe what you read. Uh, but that's all we have to go off of. Uh, but Hunter Freeman is going for 150k. Like Mitchell said, that that's actually a steal. A 31-year-old right back, quality player, played almost every minute so far this season, and is a very consistent player week in and week out. And that's what Miami FC is getting. Let's lean towards the two clubs because Mitchell told me before this season, John, Miami FC are going to be competing with the Cosmos. Didn't really believe that until. They started spending a lot of money, and then they finally buy a Cosmos player. So as a Miami FC fan, are you excited to see that you bought a player from one of the top clubs in the league? Well, you know, when we started off, Silva, from day one and even before day one, you know, at the FIU press conference in conferences that I had with him before the season kicked off, you know, he said New York Cosmos are the target. And, uh, you know, he came into the league um with the with the mindset that he was going to do whatever it needed to be done to be a competitor in this league and you know there's there's not many teams out there that are spending quite the way that we do and he is riding a ship that went wrong and you know the first the first season we saw what happened the first half of the season we saw what happened uh we did atrocious and you know there was a lot of other things beyond the pitch that were taking place, which led to, you know, the type of uh, situation that we were left in. Um, so it then became a lot more hands-on and 
totally got involved with the purchasing, uh, with the spending, with the authorization of the spending, et cetera, um, and just opened up the checkbook and said, let's make this right. And, you know, went after some quality players, went after a couple Cosmo players. Uh, obviously, if he said from day one, the Cosmos are the target, it's because he held them in high regard uh, as, you know, being the, the perennial winners mm-hmm. of NASL and the standard of. And, um, you know, that's what he wants to be. And so going forward, I can only see him continuing the, you know, the purchasing power that he has. And obviously, you know, all the moves so far with the new purchases have worked. Poku came in and immediately has been an impact. Um, Farfan came to us and immediately helped with our back line. Uh, LaHood came in and immediately became, you know, a staple. Richie Ryan came in and immediately became something good until he got injured. Uh, So, you know, piece by piece as we're bringing them in, these players are making our team that much more uh, exciting and better. I mean, just look at the, you know, look at the current season compared to the first and you can see the difference. Very exciting times in Miami, but do you see these purchases to be long-term signings or do you see them to be short-term signings? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I don't know what our uh, payroll is like, but, you know, if going by these <laughs> going by these numbers that are reported, I got to think that the payroll's right up there uh, in the top, you know, 5% of the league, if not higher. Um, and if that's the case, uh, you know, listen, realistically, we are an NASL club, um, and there's only so much money to be made with TV deals and ticket sales and, 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 you know, merchandise and things like that. Um, I would expect, uh, and again, this is just my own speculation that these are shorter term deals with probably renegotiations towards the end of them, if not the opportunity to, you know, trade them or move them along, you know, easily. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on results, right? So if these players are not getting the results like uh, they want them to get, then they're going to be shipped out the door. So, yeah, absolutely. And we've kind of seen that, you know, with a couple players here um, that just weren't getting done right and moved along, whether it was due to, you know, that they weren't able to get on the field and perform or, you know, uh, just didn't get enough opportunity to be out there. Um, you know, we've got some quality guys that haven't seen more than, you know, 10 minutes on the pitch yet because uh, we just keep bringing in better and better talent. And uh, it's <laughs> as a first-year team, this has really been a, a roller coaster of emotion the first the first season, um, the, the spring and now the fall. And, you know, to watch the difference has just been absolutely amazing. Talking about first-year teams, you don't really see this happen too much. You don't see your team going out there and spending big bucks in the fall season. This happens in the off season, maybe the second or the third year. Uh, but moving on, this shows you that the Cosmos are not that flagship team in the league anymore. That's what everyone in this league thought, that the Cosmos were going to come in, be that top team, compete for the title every year. Yeah, we are but we're not going out there and buying the big names anymore. It's sort of like a change in philosophy. Miami FC, on the other hand, are not really buying the biggest names, but they're buying quality players. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, There's a lot of names out there that I think can be that quality purchase of a name. 
um, and the name only, but the guys that we're bringing in are producing, and they're producing well. And so that's a really good thing. As far as the Cosmos go, um, you know, I got to think they're still the target, though, because you are number one on the board and uh, defending champs. So until until we knock you off from that position as Miami FC, that is, uh, then you guys are still the top dog. Can you see that happening anytime soon? Like maybe this season, Miami Cosmos championship, maybe? Oh, man, that would just be too sweet if that were to happen. You know, listen, we've got an opportunity. Indy took the first the first season and so mathematically we can still make it happen if it does happen this year it's going to be amazing i'm not so sure that it will as a fan obviously i want to see it happen but uh we'll see another great question is um with uh your owner buying all these top players and making moves to sort of make a push to make the playoffs or the championship whatever you guys want to call uh the postseason tournament do you think people's jobs are on the line? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we've already seen some of that, you know, where, like I mentioned, the off-the-field stuff that was going on, uh, you know, there wasn't production happening, and people were brought in that will make it happen. We have a listener question. Jesus says, uh, how, how have Miami FC marketed their team to the area? What has changed that led to better attendance in the team? So the CEO, Sean Flynn, who came in, really understands what it means to be in Miami. Uh, He comes from the Marlins, and although the Marlins can't draw for a lick, but I think it's more because they had him handcuffed. And now the handcuffs have been removed, and they're letting him, you know, a la carte do what he needs to do. And so they're doing the proper thing by getting on the radio. They're getting billboards done. They're getting their street team out. uh, They're getting... Every place and everyone saturated with as much Miami FC as possible. One of the big hurdles is getting over the, hey, we're not Beckham's team. And there was a nice article that came out in a local, very popular um, magazine called The New Times Miami. And they really went through who we were and who we're not. Um, Who we are is the organic Miami team that, you know, you're going to grow up with and your family can actually grow up and play for. Beckham's team is going to be more the star-studded, you know, MLS side if it happens. So with that, they've also gone out locally and handed out tickets or made them very affordable for people who wanted to show up. And listen, they understood from day one that ticket revenue was never going to be a moneymaker. I'm not sure that it is for anybody. It's all through merchandise. It's all through other sales. So they know that getting people in there and getting people buying their concessions, you know, food, beer, whatnot, um, that's where they're going to make their money. So if they have to give out every ticket to every game, you know what? At least they'll have butts in the seats and there'll be people there who recognize it. And from then on, next season, maybe that'll get them to purchase a season ticket. And when you have people in the stadiums, even if you're giving out free tickets, they're buying uh, food, they're buying jerseys, they're buying merchandise, uh, which would hopefully bring them back. And the hardest thing for teams in this league is sort of uh, bringing those fans back. So if you give away free tickets, what is the club doing to bring those fans back? So they're doing also different theme nights. So, for instance, our next home game is going to be Mexican Heritage Night. The, Mm -hmm. The one before was Colombian Heritage Night. And so forth and so on. We did back-to-school night. We did 
you know, different heritage nights and things like that. And we'll continue to do so going forward. So, you know, we got a lot of different communities here in Miami, a lot of different fan clubs, a lot of different groups, um, people that are interested in the game. And so they'll keep appealing to them. I remember listening to uh, your podcast. Uh, I forgot what the name of it is, but Miami FC po- supporter podcast. Uh, they were talking about what you just touched on the fan nights. I mean, the, uh, the heritage nights and things like that. And they were saying that that fuels like minor league, but they didn't care because it, it's going to bring people to the stadium. And we saw it, you know, um, magic city soccer is the podcast. Uh, that's the name of it. And so we saw it with Colombian heritage night. Um, you know, actually we saw something really interesting. We had a team come in, um, I believe it was the Cosmos actually. Mm-hmm. And a player scored against us and the Colombians went crazy. They, I mean, they love their Cosmos. <laughs> yeah. And you know, here was the crazy thing. They started cheering for the guy that scored because he's Colombian. Let's move on and let's finish off the chat about David Beckham's team. I know we don't like David Beckham's team or we, we don't know when it's going to come into the MLS, uh, but let's touch on it because Miami FC came in before David Beckham to sort of grow their brand and actually play before he gets there. So he sort of takes over in the market. Uh, but first, let's talk about is he ever going to put a team in Miami? Yeah, the million-dollar question. Um, we're now looking at 2019, uh, and I always say if it happens. So I'm one of the guys that was part of Southern Legion, has really you know petitioned Miami to bring in David Beckham's team. Um, and when Miami FC started, obviously I began with them because we finally had professional soccer back in Miami. So um, knowing some really good inside information, I know that it's not going to happen for 2018. I mean, just logistically, it can't. If tomorrow they signed paperwork and everybody was on the dotted line and everybody was happy, you still got to break ground, you still got to build the stadium, etc. They're really not going to have a temporary stadium other than Dolphin Stadium to play in or some, you know, junky stadium in inner city, you know, Hialeah or Miami, where they're not going to want to do that for an MLS team. So temporary grounds are not available. Uh, so they're going to have to have their own. And we're looking at two years before that happens. So probably 2019, maybe even closer to 2020. And again, if it happens. I remember reading an article uh, saying that he was talking to some local authorities or whatever, and he was going to build a stadium in a certain area. I don't know how true that was, uh, but can you confirm or deny that one? Yeah, so they do have plans to do an overtown stadium. Uh, they've already supposedly put a bid in on a majority of the land, but they're still waiting on the county to, quote-unquote, provide some information or some more uh, land for them. So once they have that green light, then they'll be able to proceed with what they want to do. But that's there's been a big holdup on that as well as where the money's coming from. You know, is the money still there and are the, is the availability still as uh, uh, available as what it was before? Well, I'm hoping, and maybe this is my little dream here, but um, David Beckham, they can't compete with Miami FC. If Miami FC just keeps coming and spending more money, spending more money right on players, 
they're going to bring in more fans and they have more time because they started before them. David Beckham, what he should do is just join Miami FC and make it an even stronger club, no? Well, I'm not so sure that David Beckham and his image or PR team would allow him to be associated with a not top flight or top tier league. So as far as him joining with Miami FC, um, that'd be cool. That'd be Actually, that'd be pretty neat. Um, I'd be happy to see it happen. But I'm not so sure that that's something that he'd be interested in doing. Yeah, you're t- totally right on that one. He wants to be in MLS. He played for MLS. He has sort of like a connection with them. Makes total sense. But uh, I would not want to see two teams compete in that market. I know maybe Miami FC fans would like to see that because especially here in New York, we have NYCFC. We don't like them. We have the Rebels. And it's sort of fun to compete with them in the Open Cup. But uh, David Beckham, I think he can bring a lot to the team as well. Uh, and I think they would share the same ambitions as well as to be a big club. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Without without doubt. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing that I've always had um, and the question that I've always asked. So if you are on David Beckham's Rolodex, right? You're a Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You're one of those guys or whatnot. Um, if David Beckham makes the call to you and says, hey, I want you to come play for my team, but we're second division in the United States. Are you going to sign that contract? Are you going to show up? I don't really so know. Money talks. Is. Money talks. Money talks. The yeah, Cosmos signed Raul from Real Madrid, and then he played in Qatar and whatever, but he came to the Cosmos to play. And he, oh, okay, he only played for a season, but he came here and played. He didn't look like the happiest person in the world, but he put on the Cosmos shirt for a season. Yeah, that's true. And, and produced. Yeah, so. I don't know. There's there, there's always these rumors from Fox Sports saying like, oh, Ronaldo is going to come to MLS and play for Beckham's team and all that. I don't know how true that is. They're just random rumors, and I don't like MLS. That's why we support the the NASL. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm not that much against MLS, uh, and I definitely like the feeling of the NASL much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother conversation though. Uh, but you know, uh, I'd love to see the te- the league grow where, you know, you get to a point where teams can attract that kind of player. Yeah, for sure. Thanks Mitchell for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. John, anytime. Thanks to Mitchell Torres for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, go check out their Miami FC podcast. It's a quality one. And I know a lot of people were asking if they had a podcast. They do, and it is a great, great one because you get to know more about a club in this league, and it's always great to hear. So moving towards uh, Empire of Soccer, uh, Dave Martinez's blog, in this article he revealed tons of stuff about the move to Miami FC by Hunter Freeman. And he stated that the Cosmos received 150 k in compensation for Hunter Freeman. And I said this, I think it was last week, and I said that a six-figure transfer fee is not a lot of money for Hunter Freeman. That's a steal. And Mitchell Torres said that. 150 k for a 31-year-old 
right back. And I know he's aging and he's getting older, but he's a quality player. I think he's worth more than 150 k I truly, truly think he's worth more than that. Okay, Miami FC, they negotiated with Hunter Freeman first before they talked to the Cosmos. That happens in world football. That's where the sport is moving towards. In Italy, they did that when Gonzalo Higuain moved from Napoli to Juventus. And Juve talked to Gonzalo. They had a medical in private without Napoli knowing about it. So this happens in the sport. Gio came out and said that the NASL needs to sort of investigate it and see what happened. They have to, but I can't see them doing that because, number one, they have never experienced anything like this before. And number two, it just happens in the sport. I hope one day it doesn't happen and clubs just just go to other clubs and ask if they can buy their player and talk to their player and so on. But that's just where the sport is heading at the moment. But 150K for Hunter Freeman is a steal. He should be worth more than that. Richie Ryan moved for 750K. The Armada got 750K for their captain. He's younger, very experienced player. But I think Hunter Freeman should be worth a bit more than 150K. Not a million dollars. I know I said a million, but that's a lot of money. At least 300 to 400K. He's a valuable asset to the Cosmos. He He's a player that the Cosmos should have never sold this season. Maybe in the offseason. Maybe work out a deal today and say, Miami, if you want Hunter Freeman, okay, pay us the 150K or 300K and you can have Hunter Freeman in the offseason. So the Cosmos can get a replacement in. Just going back a couple of weeks, I remember Christian Fuchs, Leicester City defender, came out and said that he wanted to play for the Cosmos. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, how is he going to play for the Cosmos? If they do sign him, how does he fit into this team? And if you think about it, he does. He, He fits into the team now. We have a major gap in this team. And that's Hunter Freeman. We're truly going to miss him. He made his debut against Puerto Rico. But Christian Fuchs has two years with Leicester City. And then he's probably going to move to the Cosmos if they want him, if they can pay his wage. Hopefully we can uh, see Christian Fuchs in a Cosmos jersey. That would be great to see. But uh, I think that this was planned. And I know I said this last week, but I think... The move was planned. They were talking to Hunter Freeman. Probably Freeman went to the Cosmos and sort of said that he wanted to move. And Gio has said that we can't get in his way. And I fully understand that because there's always this issue. If a player wants to leave, do we sell him? Do we sell that player because he brings a lot to the team? But do we want to stay in that player's way to sort of maybe earn a bigger wage, or move to a bigger club. And that's what Hunter Freeman did, is he's earning a higher wage. With the Cosmos, he got somewhere between 85 to 90K. With Miami, he is uh, doubling his salary. And that's great to hear for a player that works his butt off every single week. And another thing, another reason why this transfer 
is a very, very bad thing is because in the future, and this is just signs that Miami FC are going to dominate when it comes to buying players. The Cosmos lost Nico Kronjar to Rangers FC. Imagine in the future, the Cosmos sign a player just for the spring season, and they can't re-sign him because Miami FC offer more money. Or Miami FC can offer more than the Cosmos could. Not just more money, but maybe more guarantees. Maybe he can be a star on the team. Maybe they make him the captain. They can guarantee more than the Cosmos could. And that's the problem, is that Miami FC are sort of maneuvering themselves to be this club. In the future, they're going to attract big stars because they can offer a lot more money. And they're not afraid to do that. And this is what I'm so worried about is the Cosmos have this brand of we're going to spend, or it's not the brand, it's just the history of what happened back in the day is their owner spent so much money back in the day and bought the best players in the world. And I'm not saying that today I want the Cosmos to buy the best players in the world. I'm just trying to say, go out there and buy quality players that are on the market, that are available, that we can pick up today. And compete with the teams in your league. The Cosmos have not spent a transfer fee in the modern era. With the current business plan for the Cosmos, I don't really see them doing that. I don't see them doing that. Do I want them to? Yes, if it means we're going to get a quality player. I want to see the team stay around for the future. What I'm more worried about is where is the team going to play next season? When are we going to build our own stadium? Where are we going to play in five years' time? Are we even going to be around in 15 years' time? These are questions that I want answers to. So... If Miami FC is going to be the bigger club for now, okay, it, it's something that I think we have to accept. And it's hard to do that because they're in their first year and we've been around for a couple of seasons. We know how to work a club and we know just how it is to be a supporter of a club in the NASL. But we have a lot more things on our minds as Cosmos supporters. We have a lot more question marks as a club. We have a quality team on the field. I think we need more answers off the pitch, and hopefully we get that in the coming weeks. Moving on, and the future of the NASL. Or before we get there, sorry, before we get there, uh, let's check out the Cosmos abroad. We have Yasmani Duke, who featured for Bolivia Tuesday night against Chile. He played 68 minutes of a scoreless draw. Duke is a great player, and hopefully he is... Uh, set to come back, and hopefully he starts at the weekend against Minnesota. Uh, just can't wait to see Duke come back and uh, get into the Cosmos setup. Andres Flores appeared as a substitute for El Salvador in a pair of 3-1 defeats against Canada and Mexico. Flores, another quality player. I think at one time he used to be the uh, El Salvador captain as well, uh, and I don't think he's the captain anymore, so... Uh, Quality player as well. Erika Vio. He played uh, and he started for the under-19s first match against the host nation on September 1st. And he plays 
with former Cosmos teammate Haji Wright. So I'm hoping Haji Wright is doing well with Schalke. And David Ocheng, another quality center back that I think is so, so underrated. Uh, he was an unused substitute during a 1-1 draw against Zambia in 2017 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying action. Uh, and Kenya did not accumulate enough points to secure a berth in the tournament, finishing with a win, two draws, and three losses in their qualifying group. So that means that uh, David Ocheng would not be participating in the Africa Cup of Nations, which in Europe, if a player would be participating, he would leave his club in the middle of the winter and go play for his nation. But with David Ocheng, he wouldn't be participating in it, nor would the Cosmos even be playing. So uh, I'm guessing this is a win-win for the Cosmos because you want to see your player fit for preseason. But for David Ocheng, I think he's pretty upset and probably mad that he didn't at least uh, see some playing time. But uh, I really think he's a quality player, send it back. And I'm hoping the Cosmos keep him around for the long term because we know Carlos Mendez is not going to be around for long. Moving ahead to our final topic tonight, uh, we are going to talk about the future of the NASL. I have been seeing on Reddit, on Twitter, all over social media, that fans are worried about the league. Otto Fury released a statement because there is a bit of fans worrying, are they going to leave? Where are they going to go? And here is the statement. Otto Fury is a NASL franchise and a league member in good standing. Over the last three seasons, Fury has forged strong ties with Ottawa and the soccer associations and the community at large and those efforts. Combined with the Fury's high caliber of play, have established a growing fan base for professional soccer in our region. Our long-term focus is on earning even greater fan support this season and in future seasons, starting with tomorrow evening's match against FC Edmonton at TD Place. The Fury come out and say that they're going nowhere. Again, a club is going to come out and say this. A club is not going to come out and say, okay, we're leaving the NASL and we're going to join the Canadian Premier League. Or we're going to join USL. A club is not going to do that because they're already in one league. They're not going to diss that league and say we're going to MLS or whatever league they're going to join. Minnesota United did that. But I think they did that the right way. They didn't come out and say we're joining MLS. It was more of a rumor, rumor, and probably Bill Peterson and the NASL probably got word of it earlier. And maybe they have word of the Fury potentially leaving as well. There's rumors that the Fury might be going to USL, potentially with a move to the Canadian Premier League. And more rumors and some sources confirming that the Canadian Premier League might uh, take off and be an official league in 2018. That's exciting for Canadian soccer fans. As an American, I love the flavor that Canadian teams bring to this league, to any North American soccer league. But for Canada to grow and develop their own players, they need their own league. They need to grow their own coaches, their own referees, their own soccer people to become a soccer powerhouse. And that's going to take time. We saw with the U.S. that MLS took 20 years to be where they are today. 
maybe it's going to take the the Canadian Premier League 20 years to actually become a powerful league, if you will. MLS is not a very powerful league, but their clubs are worth a lot of money. There's a lot of investment in the league. There's some interest abroad. So if the Canadian Premier League do it right, then they can get that over about 10 to 15 years. I think if the Canadian Premier League can get Toronto FC, maybe the Impact, and the MLS clubs, and the two NASL clubs, I think that would be a start. Because you have those Canadian clubs that have a massive following. That have a following more than a club that you would bring in brand new tomorrow. And I think I heard that they're going to play in the um, Canadian Football League stadiums and things like that. So if they do it that way, I think it would be a lot easier. The investment would be low because you don't have to build your own stadiums. And I think it would be very attractive for Canadian soccer fans. And it would grow massively. But to see the Fury potentially go to USL at the end of this season, that would be so sad. Just a rumor, nothing confirmed at all. But it could happen, guys. It could happen. Uh, the strikers maybe might leave as well. If they can't f- sell their club, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Ray OKC, and an- another big question mark. Uh, they're having problems there as well. Do you have Rayo Vallecano coming in? Not starting trouble, but sort of sharing a new, a new vision. People left, employees left, and now they have... <laughs> A real turf war, which is sad to see. Sean Jones, their minority owner, he bought the turf so you can't see the football, the American football lines. And now I think some people took the turf. I don't know. It's crazy things going on in Oklahoma. I'm hoping they get fixed, but it's so uncertain. If we see the Fury leave and Rayo OKC leave this season, that's two teams, and you only have one team joining the league next season. And that's the San Francisco Deltas. They're probably one of the strongest teams behind the scenes already. They helped get all these teams in the NASL verified on Twitter. So that sort of shows you what type of club they already are. They have some major pull in different markets, in social media. They have Mark Dos Santos. He's a great, a great manager to bring in. Your first manager, Mark Dos Santos, you have a winner. Even though he didn't win the title against the Cosmos, a quality, quality manager. But the NASL can't just bring in one team if you lose two teams. They can't do that. And for me personally, it's too late to announce an expansion side. How many months are you going to give a club to grow their brand, put a club together, get some players, get some employees, market the club? You can't do that in October, November, December. You can't do that around that time. And then you have to have a preseason. So there's so many question marks around are there going to be more expansion sides? 
I think if the NASL knows by the end of the season, if they know that a handful of teams might leave the league this season, I would go to the USL and ask some clubs that are very successful clubs in USL that sort of want to make up the push to MLS, but they're not going to be there. Like uh, Sacramento Republic. They're a very powerful team, great team, great supporters, and they want to build a downtown stadium. And that's all for MLS, but are they going to get MLS? I just don't think so. I can't see Sacramento getting MLS. So maybe in the offseason, maybe Bill Peterson approaches these owners and asks them if they want to be a part of this project, of this vision, and sort of sell them on the future of the league and where you see the league going. The only question mark I have with this is do they meet the standards of D2? You have to have a certain net worth. And if they do, then if they're on board with playing in the NASL, then you would have a new team. And that's what they have to do. You can go to Sacramento and ask them. You can go to, uh, I think it's FC Cincinnati. That would be a cool team. They draw over 20,000 people in a third division match. When you have... LA Galaxy 2 coming in, New York Rebels 2 coming in, you're drawing 20,000 people over that. They broke the record in attendance. That's massive. That's the type of club that you want to have in your league. That's the type of club. Not a club that's drawing 200 people, but a club that's bringing 20,000, 30,000. They could probably build like a 40,000-seat stadium. And get those amount of people there on a week-to-week basis. Those are the types of clubs that I want to see in this league. That have the same vision and ambition as Bill Peterson and the group of owners that we have at the moment. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Send in your thoughts on whatever we talked about. Your comments, questions for next week at One Team Pod on Twitter. Like us on Facebook at First Team Podcast. Instagram at One Team Podcast. And on Snapchat as well at First Team Pod. Also, you can vote for us for the best football podcast if you think we are the best football podcast uh, at the Football Blogging Awards. The award ceremony is in Manchester, England at Old Trafford, home of Manchester United. So if you want to see the First Team Podcast crew, uh, you should vote for us on our website. We have a blog post. On our Twitter, we sort of explain how you can vote for us. You can vote for us via Twitter. You just have to tweet, and we have the tweet on our Twitter. Uh, So it's called Click the Tweet. So just click the link, and you can just tweet, and we have the tweet set up for you. So that is a vote, and also you can vote on their website. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will have our two-year anniversary show, hopefully by the end of the month, on Twitter. Podcast Day, I think it's called. So uh, hopefully we have it on that day to celebrate Podcasting Day. And hopefully we have our second anniversary show. Tweet us with your suggestions. Who do you want to hear on the show? What do you want to talk about 
on our second anniversary show. Uh, I know some people tweeted and said, uh, talk to um, Seamus at Ryan, talk to Eric Stover, talk about where the Cosmos will play next season and things like that. We will talk about that once we know where they're going to play. And I know a lot of people are on the edge of their seat and they want to know where the club is playing next season. We talked about this. We speculated about this. We were a three-piece uh, serious about it. Go back to our previous episodes about uh, where we talked about where we think the Cosmos are going to play next season. Once we know where they are going to play, then we're going to have a discussion of what the club has to do before they move into that home. So if they decide to go to MCU Park, if they decide to move to Mitchell Field, we are going to have a discussion of what they have to do before the first game of the season. Marketing, everything behind the scenes. We're going to go fully in-depth with Caesar Trellis uh, about this topic. So hopefully you guys tune into that episode. It's going to be a very exciting discussion. And I am going to be going mental, excited, pumped when I know where the Cosmos are going to be playing next season. Hopefully we can break the news here on the First Team Podcast. Hopefully we will. And uh, if I have some news then we will have a special episode that week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. My name is Sean Vershawn. They're tuning out. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, let's go near Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout-out to the five points. The Borough Boys, the Benadel Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York's green and white. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is the rap from Tate attacks, hash and bliss. Reacts, tap me win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, holding back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Effects Girl, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like shouting cues allowed to you without them dudes. Around my crews, I'll check the no excuse. Each session a lesson, it's not about perfection. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless at the training, something's gotta be corrected. Progression and acceleration at the start's most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.